Chapter fourteen of Transition. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Transition by Emma Frances Brooke. Chapter fourteen. Thus things went on until the early summer came round and then it happened that a great popular demonstration was to be held in the park lucilla as the occasion approached arranged to go down beforehand to sell socialist literature to the folk this was much the scandal of honora who though her opinions upon most subjects were being modified held to her main position tranquilly with the fine staying power natural to her when the particular sunday afternoon arrived leslie called on her so early that lunch had hardly been cleared from her table he waited at the door of her sitting-room apparently too much pressed for time to sit down come with me into the park said he honora hesitated and looked perplexed there is a great gathering there a demonstration of the sweated you have never seen these things never been touched by them come and take your experience he insisted lucilla dennison has already gone said honora yielding it was a lovely day one of those gracious spring days which grow more beautiful towards eventide the heat was unusual so that the very sounds partook of it but in the topmost branches was a little stir of wind a gentle rustle that surprised one with a reminiscence of the solitude of wards where the flowers are not so much looked at nor the ways too much known honora and leslie arrived before the processions and the wagons but already there was a rising hum of noise there were vendors of cheap ices of lemonade and dubious appliances for thirsty dusty throats and there was the inevitable nut which forms the dry excuse for the remedy also there were vendors of literature more inflammatory than the nut in the course of their perambulations they stumbled across sheridan who also had come early and who stopped them for a moment with a pleasant greeting and a word where are the hosts of my indignant countrymen said he i thought i was to begin addressing them at half-past three one after another various socialist friends accosted them there is lucilla dennison selling pamphlets exclaimed honora in a shocked voice what shall i do supposing any of the parents were to appear i don't think you need fear that said leslie and besides it is sunday when yes said honora seeing his smiling hesitation when we might rest from the labour of keeping everybody right by our own particular standard but look out honora stand aside a little there was the crash of very lively music and the sound of a multitude of feet honora's first glance at the approaching procession which swept on with a rhythmic precision of aim to its right station in the park saw it as merely a gay picture of coloured banners and moving people a second disclosed something not so charming to the eye and senses it was sir thomas brown who said that at a solemn procession he had wept abundantly and in the english spectacles is often matter and to spare for tears even from hearts less sensitive and tender than his this was honora's first glimpse of a representative gathering of the overworked and underfed of the english device in pageantry with which we make glorious the streets and parks on a summer's holiday she and leslie were standing so that the procession headed straight towards them 
Honora herself, in her handsome, well-developed womanhood, becoming at once the focus of a hundred pairs of haggard eyes, and when it paused at the foot of a platform, the banners being furled and the music stopped, behind and still, behind, over the shoulders of the foremost, swept up and pressed new waves of faces, until a compact mass of beaten and broken humanity was gathered together, waiting with uplifted heads for such crumbs of hope as the speakers might bestow upon them leslie had drawn honora close under the shelter of the wagon he felt her clasp his arm nervously with both hands oh she murmured what is the matter with them what makes them look like that are they all ill altogether what does it mean her grave scared eyes were moving over the faces of the crowd i'm afraid it is their normal appearance answered leslie it means that they are habitually overworked and underfed and that many of them whenever they have an opportunity take refuge from despair in vicious excess it is shockingly ugly murmured honora and heart-rending i can't see a single face that does not look as though some injury has been done it come away said leslie and let us go to some other platform i think sheridan speaks from the next one to this sheridan was already up in the wagon with two or three socialist friends about him and some well-known trade unionists he was standing to the front of the platform preparing to address the closely packed audience beneath him and he had removed his hat so that the fine generous lines of his head were thrown into bare prominence against the clear spring sky littleton piloted honora to where she could hear him protecting her as well as he could against the pressure of the crowd sheridan by this time had begun to speak he did so with more than his usual incisiveness a wind of energy as it were in voice and face the audience were listening with rapt and critical attention they have a wolf in their eyes said honora as though they might spring on him and worry him in a moment if he said anything wrong do not be afraid returned littleton i think you may trust both them and him the wrong of the sweated was that which had perhaps most deeply touched the heart of sheridan and he had thrown much time and effort into a study of the subject whatever he now said was touched with that kind of emotion which has both energized and steadied itself by a hard-headed examination of the causes of a particular evil and the remedies that may be applied he did not hesitate to appeal to a sense of injury in the hearts of his hearers or to anything else that might rouse them to indignation resistance and the effort of self-deliverance that kind of siding with the oppressor against the oppressed which takes the form of timid silence was not the kind of prudence to find favour in his eyes i am sure he is stirring them up to anger and rebellion remarked honora rather indignantly to littleton i hope so briefly responded leslie so far sheridan's speech though not unrimmed by the large and golden promise of socialism had chiefly confined itself to specific remedies which might be applied in the present condition of society to the mitigation of present suffering he had been answered by approving murmurs which broke out every now and then hoarsely and briefly from some rough throat of the crowd i have told you he was saying now that what we socialists want is to put an end to the great contrasts of this vast city to level up and to level down and to throw a broad and widening benefit into the middle streams of life wherein the best strength of the nation is gathered 
we want to pull the so-called residuum up into this and so to order things that the chances of their falling out again shall be minimized to the fewest possible we don't want to have this splendid park and those surrounding blocks of roomy and handsome houses perpetually contrasted with miserable patches in the city of london representing congested districts of people who live in a soul-destroying struggle on the line of bare subsistence and dwelling conditions which render decent family life impossible we are able now to tell with mathematical accuracy how many millions in this england of ours struggle to keep the breath in their bodies at this bare life level and in this london of ours this city of dreadful night we are able to tell the exact amount of misery despair disease and vice in any given locality we can make no longer an excuse of ignorance out of the population of this london of ours alone three hundred thousand families families mind you not persons are condemned to a life of chronic want now that this is so is a national shame and a national disgrace it is our great defeat we have had soldiers who have led our armies to deathly victories that have made noise enough in the world let some great statesman come forward to lead us to a victory that will bring life and not death along with it for that we have in london alone these three hundred thousand families existing in an extremity of poverty presents to our legislators a state of things which it is their business to put right at least to begin with let the government put its own house in order let the departments at least fix the wage of their employees above and not below subsistence level and thus at least avoid demoralizing whole families of the workers and creating a new generation of the unskilled but we must understand this here sheridan's voice suddenly changed its note socialism is not a system for easing one class not even the working class at the expense of the welfare of the rest of the community it is not a hocus-pocus for turning the misery of the east into the luxury of the west or the west again into the east we do not want to transfer the relative positions of these two separate and in many senses alien cities to do that would be to do nothing what we propose to do is to build as it were a new london a new england in which no rights of whatever the class is shall be recognized save those rights which are directly conducive or at least subordinate to the welfare of the community we do not promise you things that are either impossible or unfair we do not for instance promise you as our anarchist friends i fear do to abolish rent if you tried to abolish rent you would simply give to the individual what should belong to the community we do not expect to put an end to the wage system our object is rather to extend it to all but we certainly aim at procuring for every worker a fair return for his labour and a fairer share in the leisure and good things of life and since these things cost money we aim at putting into our national treasury that part of the collective wealth which is to be traced to no man's skill or enterprise but which is the slow and vast result of the whole collective progress this unearned increment as it is called when we have come by our own will furnish the government with cash to pay their employees better and to increase the inspection of the workshops and to carry out the crying reforms i have indicated and many others besides but if i have told you where the necessary cash is to be obtained it is you 
who must furnish our legislators with courage to take it if you will not come out of your inertia and despair and indifference it is not likely that the government will stir if you will not put on citizenship enough to keep out of the public-house and attend the polling booths at every municipal school board and parliamentary election in order to return the men whom you will force to pledge themselves to reforms of the kind it is no use our urging on the reforms more than this and above all you should drill yourselves until you are able to work together harmoniously you will be strong just so soon as you press for reform in a solid body and no sooner you will get proper representation in parliament when you combine to return your own leaders and stick to them loyally and no sooner again you should step out of that isolation which leaves you not only a prey to the greed of the employer but to each other's necessity and postponing the small and doubtful benefit of the day to the larger hope of the morrow you must band yourselves together in a strong organization of your trade fight the blackleg in yourselves and put on the new man of the trade unionist is my last word to you the speech had ended in a vigorous sermon with certainly a sting to the tail of it honora was rather surprised when on sheridan's retiring to the back of the wagon immediately on having spoken the last words a hoarse murmur of approbation broke out which finally terminated in a ringing cheer the audience had recognized a texture of homely truth in the speaker's words and the average englishman especially fellows of the hungrier sorts seasoned to woe prefer truth and resent specious lies it was unflattering certainly but the conscience was purged the hope fortified and the personal endeavour braced honora looking round her with ever-deepening interest thought that beneath this sweet spring sky and upon this spreading green palpitating now with the tread of thousands of weary feet was a gathering nearer in kind to the folk moots or witenagemots of old than might be found within the closed halls of westminster and that possibly from voices such as sheridan's and from rough responsive throats such as these of the audience came the genuine expression of that will of the nation which is predestined to become its law i want you to look at lucilla dennison said leslie suddenly recalling her attention glancing in the direction he indicated honora caught sight of lucilla walking alone on the outskirts of the crowd she was not any longer selling pamphlets with her pretty animated air her hands hung empty by her sides and her face was pale and anxious she had a strange isolated melancholy look i am sorry to see her like this said littleton sometimes i am irresistibly reminded by that girl of an overcharged laden jar i feel that she overtaxes herself and at any moment the delicate nature may break under the strain of emotions and ideas too great for it lucilla is very prosaic sometimes returned honora just now she certainly does look like a devotee or something of the kind but in schoolwork she has an admirable practical talent the anarchists are hanging round somewhere i expect muttered littleton they always disturb her i do wish she would leave off hankering after d'auvernay's claptrap and stick to sheridan's lead leslie in spite of his brusqueness was tender to women and he was watching lucilla now with uneasy compassion instinctively he glanced back for sheridan but could not see him when his eyes were turned to lucilla she was still pacing slowly up and down suddenly however he saw her stop and turn and then like an arrow she sped in a particular direction of the park 
at the same moment both he and honora became aware that the crowded audiences were breaking up on every side and that an ugly and more or less universal rush was being made towards the same quarter to which she had run from that particular spot the sound which had attracted the people from the platforms reached them now it was discordant and hideous a slowly gathering roar like the howling of wild beasts full of hunger and rage it is only the crowd booing some unpopular orator i assure you it's nothing there's more sound than fury said leslie hastily seeing honora turn white lucilla she replied simply why did she go there please come with me i'm going to follow her phew cried leslie as they ran along i'm afraid it is something ugly the police are coming out of the lodges there's sheridan let us follow him the rush of a crowd when it is amiable and cheering is it not a very pleasant encounter but this howling anger appeared to honora as something horrible there was a tempest of rage and noise and movement under the quiet spring sky a centre of genuine struggle with ever-widening circles of curiosity and excitement to plunge into the middle of it was the instinct of the male to watch the melee as close and only as close as is consistent with separation from the fray was the nature of the female as honora and leslie came up to the scattered outside circle the former looked everywhere for the slight girlish figure of lucilla she was nowhere to be seen could it be that she had improvidently and strangely cast herself into the centre at first all that honora could make out from the scene was an indistinguishable mass of people surging hither and thither then there came to her the sense of thousands of feet pressing and treading together in a single direction and last the strange effect of thousands of excited faces straining with eager gleaming eyes towards one particular spot in the centre and there the scrimmage whatever it might be was taking place in the outside rings was booing enough and to spare an infection of noise passing from throat to throat there was silence and the tug of war don't you be alarmed said leslie a spark of masculine joy at a row royal in his eye it's an english crowd and a mere matter of fisticuffs honora stretched her neck and looked hither and thither it's them bloomin anarchists said a big policeman in answer to his inquiry sunday afternoon it'd be all bible readin and pipes for the force if it warn't for them furrin jack hasses and he pushed his way in handling his truncheon and ramming his big shoulders like a good-natured bull at all the weaker vessels here come the mounted police said leslie it'll all be over directly stand a little aside honora and you'll you'll see the fun throwing himself close to her as a protection he was a little surprised to feel her strong lithe figure quivering from head to foot but when he glanced anxiously at her face he discovered that to be perfectly composed save that her eyes darted hither and thither in the same intent search the easy measured beat of the hoofs of half a dozen horses mounted by policemen now came over the turf the little troop setting itself straight on to the surging mass of human beings with an apparent recklessness that made honora shiver again they will trample the people down she murmured in a low tense voice oh dear no said leslie don't you be in such a scare the crowd feeling the bound of the horses upon them opened suddenly just where the massing of people seemed most compact there was an ugly lurch to right and left into the gap the horses trotted composedly great intelligent creatures with their instincts all alive to the harmless nature of the warfare and then the police wheeling them about began gently pushing and thrusting the people back with the haunches of their beasts and at the moment 
through the opening thus made a sudden vivid picture of the central struggle flashed itself to honora's eyes she saw a tall man without hat and with wildly tossed black hair and a deadly pale face who defended himself by energetic gestures and a storm of words from the rough fellows who threatened and hustled him she saw hands raised against him clenched in his face or clutching at his clothes and ugly open mouths howling derision about him the man's shirt was torn open in the front and his coat was half off his back the face flashed to her as the face of a drowning man flashes through the waves in a last effort before sinking white full of concentrated endeavour the muscles strained the eyes gleaming terrible but never unbeautiful a thing to remember the next moment he was ripped down like a shaken doll and honora saw nothing but the backs and limbs of half a dozen blue-coated policemen who were fighting over him striking out at the crowd with truncheons picking some valiant ruffian from the prostrate body of the orator and flinging him headlong away thrusting back others with strong arms and commanding everybody in hoarse shouts of angry authority and then the crowd closed again and the picture was lost he was down leslie said honora quietly he will be killed before lyttleton had time to reply and reassure her the girl to his unspeakable alarm and surprise darted from his protective presence and ran straight into a particular part of the crowd a part where the pressure and lurching seemed to him ugliest and forcing her way through the mass with an energy and strength that astounded him disappeared her action following as it did upon the composure of her voice and bearing was perfectly incomprehensible to him then suddenly he understood it for following in the direction she had taken he caught a glimpse of her again he saw her with her arm about the slight form of lucilla whom she was dragging towards the outskirts of the crowd perfectly composed half a head taller than most she was ingeniously elbowing and thrusting her way outwards using her height and striking personality to assert authority her strength now and then in a vigorous push or blow her equable calm voice in suave entreaty or command and within five minutes she carried her friend straight out of peril into the open leslie ran up to her a great emotion in his eyes none of the three spoke honora gave a deep sigh of relief that was all lucilla stood still with a dazed look then she began to pace up and down her face full of an agony of trouble then she came close again to honora's elbow littleton watched the two girls in silence the amazement had not yet gone out of his heart was he killed asked she shortly of honora i don't know replied honora as briefly i was too small to get there began lucilla in a troubled voice i was too small even to see i am too small to do anything honora yes said honora you are far too slight and tiny a thing you ought just to stand outside it isn't his being killed that i'm minding added lucilla with passionate vagueness littleton's presence had been forgotten he gently reminded them of it there is sheridan he put in he is coming towards us perhaps he can tell us something sheridan unconscious of the little scene was walking towards them his face rather excited but a laugh on his lips one or two others of the socialist circle came up too amongst them all was a natural masculine effervescence of animal joy in a scrimmage which after all had passed off without broken bones he's all right said sheridan laughing the crowd have suddenly changed their cue he is being taken away to a place of safety under a strong escort of police 
but the mob is going with him they have turned it into a triumphal march now and are irrelevantly singing little annie rooney as they go along they all want to shake hands with the man and swear eternal friendship who is it asked honora a fellow called d'auvernay a french anarchist he was holding forth to an audience who had no manner of sympathy with him they began making cat-calls and shouting e done know where e are and get yer air cut i suppose he did not understand these little amenities for he persisted and then they knocked him off his tub and a kind of free fight began was he hurt oh lord no a torn shirt and a vanished hat was the worst it looked very serious for a moment said honora well of course they got their blood up at last and it is a bit dangerous the humours of a mob with all their absurdity lean that way but he's not hurt i'm glad of that oh said sheridan chuckling again as the dying sounds of annie rooney and the cheerful measure of departing feet were heard from afar it is a very pretty bit of martyrdom for d'auvernay it will be in all the papers to-morrow he scores of course lucilla all this time had stood by honora's side with drooping head and pale silent lips suddenly she raised it and her eyes wide open and gleaming darted upon sheridan a suffocating emotion oppressed her a wild medley from all the turbulent thinking of the last twelve months rushed into her brain each incoherent idea fighting for utterance and scarcely one coming to the front clearly enough to be shaped into words an agony of tears not to be shed in the presence of these men hung behind her eyelids sheridan caught sight of the eyes that held him he took a step nearer inclining his head in surprise lucilla said he in his kindest tone that shook speech from her yes said she turning coldly from me you can laugh for the laugh is on your side they applauded you they have beaten him for my part i believe most in the cause which the mob abuses sheridan's face changed quickly he was bitterly hurt and the sensitive quiver that passed over his strong features showed it though the moment after he was looking towards lucilla's retreating form with nothing but kindly self-reproach in his eyes i had no idea that i was paining her said he apologetically to honora i had no idea she was taking the matter seriously during the last six months in the crowded business of his active life he had forgotten his interview with lucilla and her interest in d'auvernay and the cause he had found for uneasiness on her account excepting simply as though it were too natural not to last the later evidences of her full and happy allegiance to his own party End of chapter 14